Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Okay, y'all, so here's what we got. This is a day of celebration. Look at this. Uh, can you see me? Can you see me? <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> uh, is that Shavuot, y'all? Listen, I, I joke around a little bit. Why? Shavuot is a fun holiday. It is so much fun. We're going to rejoice today, but man, I'm telling you, it is full of powerful stuff. The, 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 the symbolism of this holiday is so rich. It's, I think, one of the most symbolic holidays of them all because of all the different things it represents. We're going to go through it, and we're going to have our, our Shavuot ceremony, which, by the way, involves all of you also. We're going to have that in earnest a little bit later. But first, I've got a, a few thoughts to share with you. I'm going to start in John chapter 14. And we know that on Shavuot, uh, it was Mark who read it a little bit earlier in Acts chapter 2, the Ruach HaKodesh was given. I'll talk more about that later in my message. But, uh, but Yeshua had foretold that the Ruach would come and for what purpose the Ruach HaKodesh would come as well. And what is the purpose of the Ruach HaKodesh? The purpose of the Holy Spirit. Very special, and we understand some, because everybody talks and knows, of course, about our God, the Father, etc. We talk a lot about Yeshua, but the Ruach HaKodesh is also an equal and important part of of the Godhead, if you will, if, if we would like to call it that triune nature of God that is mentioned in the scriptures, both in the Old and the New Covenants, in the Tanakh and the Brich Hadashah. Somebody say amen. John chapter 14, we understand Yeshua gives us some insight into some of the purposes, some of the intent, some of the, the plans and desires uh, of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, it says, Yeshua says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, helper, so he may be with you forever. The Ruach, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. You know him because he abides with you and I will be, rather, and will be in you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Mm. Wow, very powerful, friends. If you've never understood a little bit, what exactly is the Holy Spirit? What exactly is his purpose? What is exactly is, is his intent? What, what does he actually do? Yeshua tells us here, the Greek word that Yeshua uses here for the Ruach, for the Spirit of God, is actually paraklete, paraklete. And, and, and the word paraklete, within this, this Greek word, we get some understanding of what the, the purpose in our lives, at least, of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is. Literally, paraclete means 
to call beside. So, so the, 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 there's, there's an entity, which is God, the Ruch HaKodesh, the Spirit of God, is being called beside you. Okay, this, this makes sense right here when Yeshua says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. Now, now the, unless you understand paraclete, unless you understand a little bit of the meaning of, of the word, it, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to understand what Yeshua means when he says, I'm not, I'm not gonna leave you alone as orphans. Why? Because he is calling the spirit of God to be literally beside you, if you will, okay? Which makes sense. But a deeper understanding and translation because the word paraclete is used in other places in Greek to understand the fullness of what Yeshua is talking about here, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, are words like advocate or counselor. And, and think of that in terms of like as a lawyer, if you will, or, or an attorney, or a helper, or a comforter. Friends, somebody who is a helper, an advocate, a comforter, friends, that's a very intimate role. That's a very intimate role in and for you. Somebody who's going to literally like be there with you and someone who will defend you as well. Uh, further on, verse 25, Yeshua says further, he says, these things I have spoken to you while dwelling with you, but the helper, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I said to you. See, the Holy Spirit was given to us, remember, we're gonna read it a little bit later, on Shavuot. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, is inexorably uh, connected to Shavuot. There is a, a, a firm and bold, complete connection between the giving of the Spirit and the giving of the law, the giving of the Torah. So friends, this is, as he's talking about in verse 25, 26, the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, Ruach Elohim, that dwells in us. And on Shavuot, we commemorate. What do we do? Oh, see, this all comes together. This all is gonna make sense. Man, Shavuot is just so deep. It's like there's so many layers of Shavuot, y'all. And I want you to start to receive it. Wow, unless, see, unless you understand the roots of the faith, y'all, unless you understand the, kind of the Jewish foundation of the faith, there's no way to understand the fullness of it. That only makes sense. It would be difficult to, 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 to study any people group or any story that is very, very deeply involved in that people, unless you understand all about that people, unless you understand everything that God did and had and commanded for that people. Well, such is the case with Shavuot, because on Shavuot, what do we do? We commemorate the completion of something. We all know this. If you come to Bethlehem regularly, you know this. The wheat harvest, or the wheat harvest is ready to be harvested, okay? The wheat crop is ready to be harvested now. It, the time has come. The 50 days of the Omer have been counted. We're going to count the 50th in just a minute. Okay, so we've been building up to this. If you've been coming on Shabbat, you know I showed you the pictures. Here's day 26. Here's day 31. Here's day 7. Here's day 44. Wow, this is the completion. It's been building. You know it. You feel it. It truly, Shavuot is a completion of something. There is a maturity that 
is implied in so many different things. There's a maturity that's implied. The, a number of things. The bread was unleavened at Passover. Not only is it leavened now, but it's huge loaves which are commanded in the scriptures to, to bake. And, and, and preview, oh, preview. Oh, mm -hmm, good. All right. That was the right reaction. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's coming up. But preview. <laughs> okay. So, so there's a maturity, right? That the, there is, there is a completion that is totally implied with the holiday of Shavuot. And, and you see in this way, the Ruach, the spirit of God that is within us, he says, will teach us and remind us of the words of the Lord. That's what he says the spirit will do. Teach us and remind us of the, of the words of the Lord. So, so think of, of the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, as being someone who's always with us, within us, and who will help us understand. He will guide us, if you will. We read in, in chapter 16 also, he will convict us if we do wrong. And so, yes, he is our advocate, our helper. Advocate means, yes, he advocates for us, but an advocate, as you know, is another word for a lawyer, for an attorney, right? And your attorney should be advocating for you, no doubt. But if you have a good attorney, he will also tell you what's best for you and will correct you if you want to go in a direction that's not beneficial to you, right? If you have a good attorney, they're going to tell you, you know, don't, you know, if you get on the stand, don't say that. Say this instead. This is what you really mean. That can be taken out of context. Okay, so, or, or it's like, no, no, don't do that. You're going to listen to your advocate. Sometimes he will correct you, but, but just like an attorney, it's still our decision as to what we do with that information. Our helper gives us the truth, tells us the right thing to do, but we have to have the maturity to accept the counsel of the counselor, right? See, we have to have a certain maturity. See, Shavuot, Yeshua came, Yeshua lived on this planet, Yeshua ascended into heaven, but he didn't leave us alone. He gave us the counselor. He gave us the Ruach HaKodesh. But we have to listen to our advocate. We have to listen to our counselor when he tells us things. Next uh, chapter, John 16, says this in verse 13. It says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will tell you, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Wow. What is this? What does this mean? Very clearly, the Spirit, Tom, has some insight that we don't have. The Spirit of God knows some things that we don't know about. The Spirit of God knows what is best because he is the Spirit of God. That only makes sense, my friends. He will guide you if you are open to him. So imagine on Shavuot, God's word is given to Moses, right? The very words of God. Also on Shavuot, the Ruach Elohim is given. The spirit of God is given. In this way, the Spirit of God can guide us to follow the very 
words of God. Ooh, I got chills. If you weren't listening, you missed it. Wow, that was something. Watch the YouTube video, okay? (laughs) Shavuot connects it all and completes what we need. There's a completion. Ooh, isn't that beautiful? Reflect on this as we're now going to begin the Shavuot ceremony in earnest. And I'm always excited about it because Shavuot is very, very special. I want you to open your ears. I'm going to move quick, y'all. So get ready. Uh, If you can't follow along, that's okay. Watch Watch it on the internet later. We must remember that on Shavuot, Shavuot is in part a harvest holiday, right? Our our crops are ready. It's about harvesting time, which is also, by the way, a completion of something, isn't it? Right? It's a completion of all that you put in for the harvest. Okay, so it's about harvesting time. We're nearing more and more the great day of the Lord. You all know this. And we must give thanks to God for our harvest. You see all the the fruit and vegetables that are all out here. And there's a lot of food that's going to be out there a little bit later, but not just literal for us. Not many of you are farmers. A few of you have animals and things and, you know, but, but, but not, not most of us, right? Most of us are, but, but we all have harvests in our life. God has blessed you. I know he has. And however he has blessed you, we say, to go back to Passover, Dainu, it is enough. This is a day of rejoicing, but we're rejoicing in him for his goodness to us. And so that's why, that's why our offering uh, unto the Lord is such an important part of this holiday. Why? Because it's expressing to him our gratitude for all that he's done for us, for all that he's provided for us, for all that he has given to us. We give just a little back to him. And so in, in the nature of a completion of something, we're going to be, for the final time this year, we're going to be counting the Omer because it's the 50th day today, the completion of it. We know what this means. And Baruch Amen. Blessed are you, God, King of the universe, who made us holy with his commandments and commanded us on the counting of the Omer. Today is the 50th day of the Omer, which is Shavuot. Woo! <laughs> okay, thank you very much. That's really beautiful. So now I say to you, Chag Sameach Habikurim, because it is also the festival of first fruits, in addition to being called the festival of weeks. So get ready, moving quickly. There's much about to be revealed. You're going to get a taste of something that's ancient, ancient, friends. There are so many different aspects of Shavuot. We're going to go over some of them today. Here's, here's a preview for you. Preview. Shavuot is a harvest holiday. So we bring our first fruits. It's also the day God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and the day when the Holy Spirit was given, as I said earlier. And so the service is very interactive, regardless of whether you're here or you're watching at home. Either way, I want for you to verbally participate when asked to do so. I want for you to get the blessing of Shavuot today and to let this minister to you. I'm going to start in Leviticus 23. You don't need to turn to it. I'm going to move and Leviticus 23 verse 21 says this, 
God says this. Here's the command, y'all. Here's one of the commands. There's a number of commands when it goes, comes to Shavuot. Let's read a little bit about what God says about this special holiday. This is a biblical holiday. This is not some tradition. This is not something we kind of came up with and said, well, this is, let's do this. That'd be fun. No, God commands us in the scripture explicitly. On that same day, you were to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. A sacred assembly, a lasting ordinance, generations to come wherever you live. Hey, that's us today here in Atlanta forever. It's a forever holiday. The holiday is called Shavuot, which literally in Hebrew means weeks, right? It is also called Chag HaBikurim, the Feast of First Fruits. And some believe, of course, if you know that Yeshua was resurrected at the holiday of early first fruits, which is during Passover, and he was the first fruit of a great harvest of those who will be resurrected from the dead. Let's read more about Shavuot, chapter 23, verse 15. Go back a few verses. It says, from the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. This is after pa the Passover, right? After the first day of Passover, the Shabbat. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two tenths of an ephah of the finest flour, baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Okay, so what is the scriptures, what do the scriptures command us to do? It's very interesting. It says to count 50 days and then present an offering to the Lord from wherever you live, and it should be one of the offerings that God specifically requires are two loaves, two bread loaves, if you will, and to make a wave offering with them because, because why we know the wheat grain is now ready. We were just in Israel. Some of you were just with me in Israel, Georgia, am I right? We could see the wheat almost ready just like two weeks ago, right? We picked some and we looked at it and we said, wow, this, this looks pretty close to ready right here. That makes total sense because it was almost Shavuot. Some of you took pictures of it. I know, I saw you took pictures of it, Sam. Some of you guys did, right? Okay, so it's a wave offering of our first fruits. It represents our harvest. There should be a harvest in our lives. Friends, you should have a harvest in your life of some kind. What does that harvest look like? It could be anything. It, it might be financial. It doesn't have to be financial. It can be in any area of your life. But friends, if there is no harvest in your life, you need to do more sowing. That's how you get a harvest is you sow. I'm talking about Again, this, I'm not, this is not some kind of weird financial. I'm not talking about financially. I'm talking about in, in every area of your life, you gotta sow goodness, sow the, sow the fruits of the spirit, sow goodness, sow kindness, sow love, sow self-control. You see, and if you really sow and you work on these things, then you'll get a harvest of them. And, and in that way, there will be a maturing, right? Remember we said Shavuot represents a maturing, bearing fruit. So think about areas where you've grown in the last year. And so we make an offering to the Lord to give thanks for the harvest that he has done for us. So today is the 50th day of the counting of the Omer, the day the first Omerim of wheat, which is the last grain crop, ripens and are baked into these giant loaves. 
and brought to wave before the Lord. Each loaf is made with two tenths of an ephah of wheat flour, which is about half a gallon each. Each is about three feet long and about nine inches wide. And these halots are unbelievable. Wow, look at those guys. Thank you, Maria, who did a wonderful job. She probably cooked those for about, I don't know, two or three weeks. Uh, it took, and, and, and she had to combine two ovens. She put them together somehow. I don't know how she did it. Uh, and so I'm going to ask you a question, congregation, and you're going to see it on the screen, and you'll want to answer these questions. And so here are my questions. Did you start counting the weeks after sundown at the end of Passover High Shabbat? Is this the day after seven complete weeks? You have reached the 50th day of counting the Omer? Yes, the day of Shavuot is fully come. We may wave the Omerim. Wonderful. We have now reached day 50 and we have grown to maturity. The bread is now leavened and has become large loaves. It's a culmination of something. And we're going to wave two Omer loaves from the new wheat harvest. Then we may eat of the harvest. See, we're not, friends, I, I hope you understand, we're not supposed to partake of our harvest until we have given God thanks for the harvest. Because without him, there's no harvest. And that means every, any harvest in your life of good things. There's no harvest without God. And so God receives his portion and we've got to give thanks to God for it. And so now I'm going to, ready? We're going to, we're going to wave these, these, these guys and we're in different directions uh, in accordance with what we read in Psalm 113. Okay, and so we're going to fulfill the command that I just read is right out of the Bible as a wave offering to Gigantor loaves on Shavuot. Gigantor is not the Hebrew. Okay, and first we'll go north to south over Jerusalem. Give it some, there you go, man. Woo. East to west, from dawn to sunset. Verse six, high in heaven, heavenward. And then finally, who humbles himself? We, we have waved the Omerim and obeyed this command. Let's give the Lord praise. <laughs> Wonderful, thank you. Special that is. You don't uh, every day see uh, a, an ancient command that is in the Bible fulfilled in your presence. You just did. You know, some of you know, of course, what a ketubah is. If you're Jewish, you know what a ketubah is. It's a, it's a wedding or a marriage contract. It's a contract between the bride and the groom. And this is an ancient, ancient, ancient Jewish and biblical custom. It's an agreement that establishes some of the parameters of the relationship between bride and bridegroom. Well, the giving of the Torah, if you will, is considered a marriage contract between God and Israel. It's like a marriage, it's like a, it is a covenant, as we all know, like a ketubah is, is a covenant. And, and it's said that the cloud that came down on Mount Sinai, because we read in the Bible, and we'll read it in just a minute, about how there was this cloud or this smoke that came down on, on Mount Sinai during the giving of the law, and it said that it was like a chuppah. Okay, which represents by a chuppah, represents the commandments of God. 
right? It's like a talit is what it's meant to represent, which is this, and it represents the commands of God, right? And, uh, and a chuppah uh, uh, is, is, if you will, what we are under whenever there is a wedding ceremony that takes place. And in addition to that, the word shavuot, but in Hebrew also means oaths, right? Today is an annual rehearsal, shavuot, of the betrothal of the bride, the bride Israel, the bride, the body of Messiah, to Yeshua, if you will, the groom. And the festival that we are in right now, hello, is an engagement pate. Exodus chapter 19, Exodus 19 verse 16 says this. Listen to this. This is during the giving of the law. Visualize it in your head. It says, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. At the sound of the trumpet, as it grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Oof, man, that's intense, Jay. What a scene. That's, Hollywood Spielberg couldn't do that. The Lord descended on... Y'all, I'm telling you, so many symbolisms in Shavuot. The Lord descended onto Mount Sinai in fire. Keep that in mind. Keep that in your head. Keep that in your head. Exodus 24, verse 17, it says, To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. On top of the mountain, it looked to the Israelites like a consuming fire. Remember this. Remember this, Acts chapter 2. You already know where I'm going. Amazingly, Shavuot, the same exact holiday. In the Brit Hadashah, the New Covenant, is when Yeshua's promise that he would send the Ruach HaKodesh was fulfilled. Remember, I read earlier about how Yeshua said, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you an advocate. And he will teach you, and he will instruct you, and he will guide you. And he will lead you, and he will teach you, and he will convict you, Right? Acts chapter 2, when the day of Shavuot came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Wow, does that, does that sound familiar with the, with, the, with the thunder and lightning? We've heard of the Shavuot, the first Shavuot, of the giving of the law. It's so similar. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them speak in our native language? Friends, a couple of things. One, oh, are you catching it? This is so amazing. Tongues of fire, yes, came to rest upon them. Do you see the parallel relative to what was in the, the Tanakh and the Torah? Filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the, the fire that came upon them. And it says then, all nations understood. 
Y'all, listen, the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law uh, on Mount Sinai is a marriage contract between God and Israel, between God and the Jewish people, right? The giving of the Ruach in Acts chapter 2 is also a covenantal sign, but with the nations, but with the nations, all the nations' languages are represented. It's almost like part two of, of what's happening on Shavuot, if you will, right? Yes, I understand in Acts chapter two, there were only Jewish people there at the time, but it was symbolic of the word going out to the world. Why? Because all the nations, they were from all the nations and they heard each in their own language, the word of God, boom, being spread to every place on earth. And please, God, may it spread even more, amen? And so it spread and spread. And, and, and we are called the bride of Messiah. Friends, we know the 3,000 that were saved that day were the first fruits of the bread of life. And we too are part of the Bikurim. We too are part of the first fruits that God has brought. On Passover, which was, what, 50 days ago, right? On Passover, the slave children of Israel were freed and the bride was redeemed. 50 days later, God gave her the ketubah, his covenant fulfilled on Mount Sinai. On Passover, Yeshua set us free from slavery to sin and to be his future bride. Then he told her to, quote, count the days. On day 42, he left this earth saying, I go to prepare a place for you. This is just like a Jewish wedding. Anybody who knows, that was the tradition of a Jewish wedding is that the groom would go away and say, I'm gonna come back, and he wouldn't tell his bride when he was coming for her. And then, boom, he would just suddenly show up to take her away to be forever with him. This is exactly what Messiah Yeshua is telling us he will do here. And when 50 days were fulfilled and counted, he gave her that engagement stone, the Ruach HaKodesh. Today is that day. Friends, you need to realize today that you are not a slave anymore. You are not a slave to sin anymore. You are not in Egypt. You need to understand that you are freed and on Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah, the, the, the Feast of Trumpets, he comes for his bride. And then finally, of course, on the Feast of Tabernacles, after the judgment of Yom Kippur, which is Sukkot, the marriage will be celebrated as we dwell with him forever. And that's when we celebrate the final harvest of grapes and oil. Wow, the parallels. If you don't have an understanding of the holidays, you can't understand the full plan of Messiah, the full plan of God. So first, I will ask you, if you are ready to commit yourselves to the Lord and to follow his decrees, then we will join in as a congregation and repeat the same words our people in scripture said in accepting God's words. These are like a commitment made at a wedding, except for we're making them to God. So if you are in agreement that you wish to follow God, his commands, and what he tells us, then let's all say these words together. Together, all the words which the Lord has spoken, we shall do. All that the Lord has spoken, we shall do and obey. 
I hope you're reading that online too if you're watching at home. Some of you have been a bride before, but it doesn't matter because we're all part of the bride of Messiah. Understanding his gift to us makes this holiday even make much more sense, if you will. It, it also, for that matter, makes the, the offering that we present to God make more sense. Why? Shavuot represents God's giving gifts to us of the Torah, of the Holy Spirit, of salvation. God has given gifts to us as he, as he meets his bride and, and loves his bride, and it's only fitting for us to give gifts to the Lord as well. That's why we have in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 37, it says this, these are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord, the burn offerings, the grain offerings, the sacrifices, drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the freewill offerings you give to the Lord. Okay, so these are the Lord's appointed feasts and our offering that we bring on Shavuot is in addition to our regular uh, a tithing and offering. And we give our tithes to God, of course, on a regular basis. And that's good and that's foundational, Mishpacha. Never tempt God by keeping that small percent that belongs to him. But first fruits is a chance to really make sure our own priorities are Beseder are in order to make sure that we're giving to God our first fruits. Yes, financially, but more than this, friends, with our time, with our talents, really with our hearts is what's being said here is, are you giving God the first fruit of your heart? In whatever area it is that you have, are you giving to God your best? Are you giving him the first fruits? The decorations of our of the blooming offerings remind us of the importance of, of putting God first and giving him our very best. What does he say in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse nine? It says, count off seven weeks from the, from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain, then celebrate the festival of weeks, Shavuot, to the Lord your God by giving a freewill offering in proportion listen carefully, in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you and rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. You, your sons, daughters, male and female servants, Levites in your town and the foreigners, fatherless and widows living among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Follow carefully these decrees. Okay, so God tells us specifically on Shavuot, he commands us, Bring a free will offering, it says, in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. And to rejoice and to remember that you were slaves. See, you've been redeemed. Remember that you've been redeemed. Finally, we see in Deuteronomy 16, verse 16, it says, three times of year, all your people must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. At the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, that's Shavuot, and the festival of tabernacles, Sukkot. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Okay, so the scriptures tell us, they command us specifically on Shavuot that we should bring a free will offering. Now, yes, that means it's, it's above our, our regular tithe, 
but no amount is compulsory. A tithe means a tenth, right? We give our tithes unto the Lord. And by the way, there are Shabbat services tomorrow night and Saturday morning. Make sure you don't forget the highest of all holidays. I will look forward to seeing you all this Shabbat as well. Hello. I've already gotten the, the, the Shabbat message for you, and I think it'll be a blessing. So don't forget Shabbat this week. Okay, but nonetheless, sort of in a similar fashion, yes, we, we have our uh, we, we know that we are to give our tithes. However, this particular offering, no specific amount is compulsory. Scriptures only mandate that everybody brings something, that nobody appears before the Lord empty-handed. Scriptures do tell us, though, that our offering to the Lord should be, quote, in proportion to how we've been blessed by the Lord. So it should be like a thanksgiving, thanksgiving offering to God as God has been so good to us. Now, Deuteronomy, before we do this, Deuteronomy 26 is very unusual because it specifically outlines exactly what we should say when we bring our Shavuot offering. And it tells us that we're actually supposed to say something when we bring our offering. This is the most unusual thing that we read in terms of an offering like this that we read about in Scripture. Uh, Deuteronomy 26 says this, when you have entered the land the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land to the Lord your God uh, and, and put it in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare to you today, to the Lord your God, that I have come to the land this Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God. Okay. So then it tells us exactly what we're supposed to say. So what do the scriptures tell us? This is very specific. It says to bring our first fruits to the altar in a basket, right? Traditionally, this procession of the Bikurim offering, we know historically, was accompanied by rejoicing as it's a celebration and a thanks to God for his goodness to us and for our crops. And it's, it's from the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to read just right out of the Bible what the scriptures tell us, that we are to bow down before the Lord as we deliver our Bikarim offering, if you will. Uh, and we are to rejoice in the good things the Lord has given to you in your household. And I'd like for everybody to read this together from Deuteronomy chapter 26. And this is what we are to say. This is just right out of the Bible. This is what we have been commanded to say as we bring forth our Shavuot offering. So let's read all of this together, my friends. It's up on the screen. My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place 
and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. Woo. The book of James chapter 1 verse 18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruit of all that he created. We are a first fruit of God's creation. We are dedicated to the Lord. Before I bring back Mark to close our service one more time, let's give some serious praise to the Lord. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the harvest. We bless you, oh God. You're a good God. We love you with all of our hearts. Thank you for your Ruach HaKodesh. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We give you the thanks of our hearts, Lord, the first fruit of our hearts to you, oh God. Of all that we are, we bless you, oh God, in Yeshua's name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Yeah.